do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and today I am excited because I have David Michael with me. David is the co-founder and executive director of Truth78, which is formerly Children Desiring God, and it has a strong commitment to casting vision and developing resources for the spiritual development of children, both in the home and at church. And even more than that, he is, he is a husband, he's a father, he's a grandfather, and most importantly, man, he is a Christ follower. Two quick items before we get to our interview. First, if you go to our website at entrustingthefaith.com, scroll down to the bottom, sign up for our weekly emails so you know who is coming up on the podcast for the week and who you may have missed the previous week. Uh, you'll also get a free resource when you do, and you can find all our other podcasts on our website while you're there. Feel free to scroll through them, find other interviews uh, to really help you along the way. Uh, second, this episode is just brought to you by my book, Leading While at Home, How Husbands and Fathers Can Biblically Lead Their Families. So if you've ever thought, man, I want to be a godly husband or father, I don't know where to start, or you've heard that you need to do something to equip your family, but you just don't know where to begin, well, if this is you or you know anybody you know, Leading Well at Home will show you how you can love Jesus Christ, love and serve your wife and children, and take responsibility for discipling your family. You'll be encouraged and given action steps that you can apply so that you're moving forward. Okay, now let's jump into today's episode. David, thank you so much for joining me today. It is a pleasure to be here. Uh, it is. Uh, I, I'm very thankful. And, you know, just as we dive in, you know, Truth 78, it has a rich history. Uh, however, for those who are not familiar with it, can you tell us a little bit about what is Truth 78 and what need were you really trying to solve with it? Yeah, great question. Uh, thinking of the history of Truth 78, we, we love the providence of God, and uh, we could spend our whole time here talking about just the roots of this organization going back, I would say, 50 years, 60 years um, at least if not from the beginning of time, um, we serve a God who has known us before the foundation of the world. And uh, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, doesn't, it's not lost on me that what we're about at True 78 is part of something much bigger that God has been doing among his people for generations. Uh, we get our name from Psalm 78. Um, True 78, I'm sure many of us are familiar with that psalm where um, Asaph tells us that we've been entrusted with a testimony. The Lord established the testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children so that the next generation should know them, even children yet unborn, that they should rise and tell their children so that they should set their hope in God. I mean, that from, you know, 25 years ago when 
when True 78 was being formed, that psalm was just driving us and the, and the, the calling that's on every believer, I, I'm convinced. Uh, so he established the testimonies, verse five. In verse four, it says, we will not hide this from our children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. And if there was a central portion of that passage, those first eight verses, it's right there that gripped us more than 25 years ago. It, what we were experiencing in our own spiritual growth and what we were learning and seeing of God and looking at what was happening in the instruction of our own children. And that's where I think this strong sense of calling and mission was beginning to develop at True 78. And what we were seeing in that verse there, it says, uh, we're not going to hide, but tell the glorious deeds of the Lord and the wonder and his wondrous works. And so any, any Christian parents going to say, well, well, certainly we're not hiding from anything from our children, but what was dawning on us back then was um, we were hiding, realized we were hiding God's deeds. We were highlighting in the telling of Bible stories, Esther's deeds, Joshua's deeds, Moses' deeds, David's deeds, and sometimes ignoring <laughs> completely the fact that there's a mover and a shaker whose purposes are being accomplished unstoppable through his people. And he was being ignored in the teaching of the Bible. And it just, it, that verse, verse four struck, struck us, say, we're, we're hiding not only God's deeds and replacing them with other biblical characters' deeds, but that other important word in there is that it's his glorious deeds. For context, we, we had just, 1980, we began attending Bethlehem Baptist Church under the ministry of John Piper. I had grown up in a Christian home, gone to church my whole life, and at 27 years old, having my eyes open to a God I hadn't ever seen before, and particularly the glory of this God. I mean, I knew the word glory, but under John's ministry in particular, seeing God's passion for his glory and his passion to make a name for himself and realizing that there had been a significant gap in my own Christian education growing up where I, I hadn't seen this glorious God. And so what, as we were, were seeing more of God's glory and God's zeal for his glory, we became increasingly more frustrated with the material that our church was using um, for the instruction of our children, because it was glorifying all the biblical characters without God. So that, I would just say, was the roots of True 78. 
And so long story short, I 1996 now, uh, after serving on staff as a pastor at Bethlehem in another area of ministry, the church called my wife, Sally, and I to serve over the children youth ministry of the church. And that was where we felt the responsibility then to be faithful in the instruction of our children. And for a church under John's ministry, it was almost like what we were teaching upstairs in our Sunday school rooms was out of sync with what we were hearing from the pulpit. And that tension was driving us crazy or this disconnect. And finally, I think the church was tired of us complaining about this and said, okay, why don't you take this over? And so we just said from day one in April of 1996, we just said, we will teach nothing before we will continue to teach the way we've been teaching. And at that, that summer, Sally, my wife, who's kind of the Christian educator in our marriage, and uh, her friend, Jill Nelson, started writing curriculum for us to use at Bethlehem to be faithful in teaching the truth about God, not hiding it from our children and bringing it out in these lessons. And uh, so now over 25 years later, they're still writing curriculum. Jill just released another curriculum on the church uh, just last week. And so it's still being produced. Originally, we were just doing this for our church and just wanted to be faithful and trying to think through, okay, what is it? If we've got these kids for 18 years, what is it that we want to teach? And um, and as Piper's ministry began to develop, people were coming to us and saying, well, if John Piper's preaching what he's preaching, what on earth do you teach your kids? <laughs> because we're not finding anything like that for children. And so we, we tell them and they say, well, any way that we can get access to that. And um, so part of what emerged was just this desire to really serve the church. And so we began to develop our curriculum in a way that could be shared. And, um, and really for the first 20 years, 15 to 20 years, our focus was mainly to provide God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated resources for the church. Um, and it's really within the last five years or so that um, we've, we've been determined to do all we can to help the church think differently about ministry to children and youth in the church and help parents think dif differently about their parenting. Um, children's ministry in the course of my ministry has, um, has become a huge department in many churches. It's just, I mean, when I look at what the church I grew up on spent <laughs> on children's ministry, I mean, there were no full-time staff people, no real estate within the church that was necessarily dedicated to the instruction of children. And it's just exploded over these last years. But 
I'm persuaded that the reason that's the case is because um, churches have discovered that strong, vital ministries to children grow churches, right? If you want a church to succeed, you have to have quality programming for children. And that's, and I believe we should have quality programming for children, but the emphasis has been more on the programming, less on the substance and the content. And so our main message is, um, let's not think merely in terms of children's programs, let's think in terms of children's discipleship. When I transition into my new role at uh, Bethlehem, 1996, the position that I took was formerly minister for children. And I said, that's, that's not going to communicate what this position is. And it became pastor for children's discipleship, because I wanted the emphasis to be on discipleship. And that's really what the church's job is. That's really what the parent's job is. So to get to a simple answer to your question now, True 78 exists to inspire and to equip the church and the home for the comprehensive discipleship of the next generation. And so we started mainly focusing on equipping, creating tools without people understanding what those tools were for. And we're finding that once people understand what we're trying to do with these resources, they can appreciate and be motivated, I think, more to use them. I think that's brilliant and beautiful and so important because I like how you, you said you realized that so much towards children was about the people of the Bible and not the God of the Bible. Right. And it's, it's easy, man. I, I see it all the time. It's easy to do that, but really it's, I really like that emphasis is really seeing God's glory and his, his majesty. And that's at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And then everything else sort of rolls up in it where it's not, where following Christ is not about me. What, what, I mean, Jesus did, he took my punishment. He took my penalty. He did all that stuff for me, but he did it for the father's glory. You know, he right. did it to right. glorify the father. And so we have that disconnect. I know at least I'll just say, at least in our culture, in these United States, and we'll call it the sort of the church overall, we often lean away from the glory of God. Yeah. So um, I thought that's beautiful. But yeah, and I think just um, kind of a litmus test is what is the response of the, when you tell the Bible story, how does that child respond? But what was happening um, at Bethlehem, as we were seeing God in ways um, that we'd never seen him before, far more glorious, something was happening in our hearts. And as the preaching of God's word um, became such more, so much more impactful on us. 
it was interesting that the parallel to that was the growth of our whole worship ministry, because there's, when you see God in his glory, your heart wants to worship. And that's what we're after with our children, too. So these are glorious deeds. So if you're seeing the glorious deeds of God, your heart is inclined to worship. If, if you're at the Olympics and you're seeing glorious deeds of the athlete, you, in a sense, worship that athlete. You're just saying, wow, that is absolutely amazing. And what we were finding is in telling the stories of the Bible, what was it happening? Were we saying, wow, David was a great king. He was courageous. Or wasn't that little boy so kind to share his lunch? What a nice little boy he was so that 5,000 people could be fed. And we were just worshiping something much lesser than God. And the heart did not engage. So really the goal of our teaching really should be that our children would worship and praise the Lord. I agree. And I, I'm, I agree wholeheartedly with you that, you know, if we, if we are simply teaching a morality tale in our, to our children in our churches. Now, morality is good. Don't get me wrong. So if anybody listening, don't, you know, don't come at me with pitchforks, but, um, but morality by itself doesn't save us. Morality by itself doesn't, I mean, it makes us you know, reasonable citizens, but there's no heart change with morality. Yeah, and what we were finding was morality can also hide the glory of God. You take that, that classic story on a boy sharing his lunch to feed, feed 5,000, that Jesus used to feed 5,000. And, you know, one of the illustrations we've used is there's curriculum out there that will take that story and say, the point of that story is that you should share. Totally missing the glory of Jesus and satisfying the needs of these hungry people and turning it into a lesson on sharing. Well, I think it's a good thing to share, but please don't take that text which glorifies Jesus Christ and hide that glory by turning it into a, a lesson on sharing or Moses's sister, Miriam helped her mother by watching her brother in the Nile. Therefore we should help our mothers and totally missing that God's remarkable plan for redeeming, delivering his people from slavery was being totally missed so that we can talk about the importance of helping your mom. It's true. And it, it pops up all the time. And, you know, something I've noticed too, kind of just to piggyback on that a little bit is I think just as I'll call us believers in the church, at least here in these United States, I don't think a lot of people have a true grasp of God's story, you know, through the Bible and understand, you know, sort of that, that narrative of scripture, as you can see, you know, where God said, you know, from, from Genesis three, where Adam and Eve sinned. And he says, oh, I'm going to send a, I'm going to send a deliverer. 
who will crush the the head of Satan. And you you just don't, I think a lot of us people don't see God's orchestrating work throughout history. I think we chunk it, we silo it, just like you're saying, into morality tales. And, and we don't get the whole breadth of scripture and, and his work in it. Let me ask real quick, just you've got a boatload of resources and they're wonderful. Um, what, would you share a little bit about them and kind of how would a family use them in the home? I know you said within the last five years or so, you've, you're doing more family and church. And so what kind of resources, if people are listening either for their home or for their church, either one, what kind of resources do you have? Great question. Uh, so again, we started really providing curriculum for churches to use in the instruction of children in church. So that's, that's still a large chunk of our resources. And so you could go online and just see a wide range of material for, um, for instructing children. And maybe what I could say about that, um, in Acts 20, 26, you've got that scene where Paul is with the Ephesian elders, and he says, I'm innocent of your blood because I have did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Or in Psalm 78, he established a testimony of Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel that we're supposed to pass on. What is that testimony? So I wrestled with this as a pastor over children youth ministry. Okay, if I'm responsible to pass something on, what defines? And if Paul's saying, he'd be guilty of their blood if he didn't be shrunk back. So it really matters to us. What is this whole counsel of God? And we don't begin to presume that, okay, sign up for True 78 curriculum and you'll have the whole counsel of God. But what you do need to know is we've worked really hard to think comprehensively. So in our mission statement, the comprehensive discipleship is really important. Um, I grew up in, in a context where it was really a hit and miss approach to the to instruction, discipleship. And so we call it Christian education, but there was no sense of, okay, what is it that we want to teach our children? How are we going to teach it? And so our core curriculum is an attempt and we would say to a church, if you're wrestling with trying to figure out, okay, what is it that we need to teach? This is a path that you could consider. And so our scope and sequence, it begins in the nursery. We have a curriculum for nursery age children, <laughs> one-year-olds and two-year-olds, okay? And it goes right on through into high school. So, so that's the core. And then over the last several years, we've really growing out of my pastoral ministry where I needed tools to help me serve parents and help us as a church serve parents. So there's a, more and more, we're creating resources to equip the church for equipping the home. So True 78 doesn't wanna do an end run around the church. 
and say, here, we've got tools for you to root. I would be, you know, we've, we've got um, a little book I put together on discerning if your child is truly in the faith. You know, so you have a child who accepts Jesus at six years old, and then they're 15 years old. Six, how, do, how do I know if that faith is real? We, we put together a little book that can help a parent discern and really interact with their child on how to, if they're truly born again. And, you know, as a child growing up in a Christian home, I struggled with assurance. Like, did, did I really know what I was doing at age seven when I raised my hand in my mother's Sunday school class and said I wanted to accept Jesus? I, how do I know if this is real or not? Or did, was I just indoctrinated by my parents or something? So we've got a tool that will help a parent do that. That tool also is part, I developed it for preparing young people for baptism. We were a Baptist church, and so we did adult baptisms, and a lot of Christian parents are trying to figure out when's the best time to baptize my child, and how do we get them ready? And that little book grew out of my effort to get my daughter ready for baptism. And so my hope is that churches will take that tool and use it for parents. Parents could go online and buy the tool from us, but our heart is to see the church more intentional for equipping parents in the church for their spiritual job. And so, so we've got materials like that. Um, I've got one that goes way back to my own experience as a dad um, called a father blessings, uh, a, a father's guide to blessing his children. So when my girls were uh, third grade and fifth grade, I began this pattern of pronouncing a blessing over them. Um, so the most common one, the first one I started with, with was the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make your face his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And over time, I drawing from the Bible texts that I turned into blessings and pronounced them for as long as my girls were growing up in my home. Every night, my hand would go on their head. And it was just a powerful moment for father and daughter and continued even when they went off to college. And I at that time, I burned a CD with 31 tracks, and every night they could click on a track, hear their daddy pray for them, uh, and then end with a blessing. And now to be able to do the same with my grandchildren is even, but so I want to commend that practice to dads. And so I, you know, I write real thin books like this, and because um, I don't have all that much to say, and I, I like small books. But anyways, and it's just designed to just inspire a dad to begin this very simple pattern at home. And um, so we've got a, a line of books like that that really serve parents in, and give them tools. Probably the most significant resource and really the first major resource we've developed with the home in mind 
is uh, this new series that I hope everybody listening has heard about, and if not, that they would learn about, um, called More Than a Story. Um, one way to think about it is, so it's a two-volume work. The first volume is on the Old Testament. The uh, second volume, which will be coming out in October, late October, November, is on the New Testament. And we call it more than a story because it started out as a Bible story book. And we realized this is more than a Bible story book. Okay. And it's designed mainly for the home. My, my dream, and I realize it's a bold dream, but I would just love to see every single Christian home with school-aged children have one of these in their home. Be because what this book is providing now, if, if you were to purchase all of our Sunday school curriculum, it would take print copies, it would take about eight feet of bookshelf space. That's how much it takes on Sally's bookcase. Okay. That's represents over 8,000 pages. Okay. Well, it's pretty daunting for any parents <laughs> to say, for us just to say, okay, well, one strategy would be to teach this at home. So what more than a story does is take those 8,000 pages and condenses them into two volumes that will total over 750 pages. So it's still not a, you know, it's not a wimpy Bible story book by any means. It's very substantial, but it takes all the major themes that we draw out of our, our um, curriculum. It takes, um, it, it introduces the Bible chronologically as well, which is a, one of our distinctives. We want to reveal the truth, um, reveal the Bible, help children have a chronological understanding of God's revealed truth. And, um, and it's very, very um, accessible for use in the home. So my, I've got my volume of, of the Old Testament here, and there's over 90 units, which would keep family devotions going for over uh, for a significant amount of time for 90 weeks, depending on how often you did it. And so um, that, that would be a, a resource that we're really, really excited about and one that I would commend for your listeners. I love that. And so for everybody listening, uh, more than a story, two volumes. So um, the first one's out. The second one will be out probably close to when this one, when this will air, or it will either already be out or about that time. Uh, I would just encourage you to check this out. This is an amazing resource for families uh, to really equip your, your kids and, and yourself um, with a, you know, that comprehensive world, biblical worldview. And, and especially for you dads out there, you know, because sometimes it can be a little 
tough or a little overwhelming to kind of figure out what to do, you know, this could be something you can use uh, as well. And then, so let me just kind of transition with that thought, you know, so speaking to dads right now, um, in terms of family devotions, doing that family discipleship, um, if they are afraid, if they're feeling some fear, um, would you have any suggestions for them? I know it sounds like this would be a great resource for them to pick up and start using, right? It, because it's pretty low stress. You just start going through it. Um, anything to sort of counteract that fear or step through the fear? Yeah, I think there's, when I talk to dads, this is an area where many of them feel challenged is family devotions. And there's different reasons for it. Some of it is fear. Uh, some of it's, a lot of it's schedule. <laughs> you know, it's just families are busy. There's a lot going on. Sometimes in some families, just getting everybody together at one time can be a challenge. And so there's scheduling issues. And then what do I do? And some dads will feel the pressure that, okay, I have to spend a lot of time in preparation. I've got to be able to deliver something of substance to my children. Um, and where, where I encourage dads to start is like, if nothing's happening right now in your home, start with something that you think you can achieve. So once a week, <laughs> gather the family, or if you're doing it once a week, can we build on this? I think ide ideally to be in the word daily is a good thing um, with your family. I, I think, and it's, and I would just say the content is important, but I'll assure you, I've got a 40 year old daughter now. Okay. And as she looks back to our family devotional times, she's not thinking, wow, they were just rich with truth and insight. What I hope she remembers is the Bible was important to my parents. They oriented their lives on this book. And it mattered enough that they put us put that book in front of us daily. <laughs> okay. So I tell dads, just don't worry too much about making this. I'd, and and then keep it super simple. So I remember one dad. We were over there for dinner, and he had established a pattern after um, the main meal, which on a Sunday was the Sunday dinner, he would lead the family in the word. And he just opened his Bible and started in the beginning and would read a portion and then lead the family in a prayer. And I, I actually, I think they had a Psalter hymnal and they sang from the hymn. Um, and at the time we visited, he was somewhere in Leviticus reading about bodily emissions and all this other weird stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, what on earth is he going to do with this? But it was the next text in his appointed reading. And he just said, so children, this is just a reminder that God is holy. And we're not. And there's, because we're not, there's a barrier between us and 
God that Jesus has overcome. Let's pray. And so it's, it's not, sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot because we, we make it a lot more complicated than it is. But um, more than a story, it's a great resource. You could just, I've got a lot of dads doing that now. And the, the secret with True 78 material, and I'm hearing this all the time, is the kids benefit, adults are benefiting even more. Uh, I just had lunch with a dad yesterday who said, you know, we're, we're about halfway through the first volume and I'm learning so much. I'm seeing things of God that I had totally missed because a lot of our parents have grown up with kind of this hit and miss approach or have had very little instruction in the word. And so it really is not just an opportunity. Family devotions is a time where the whole family can grow. And if you've got good material, which I really think this is, you would grow too. Um, we also have a series of books that we have available on our uh, website. On uh, It's called the Making Him Known series. Uh, PNR Publishing has published that for us. Um, these take key theological themes or they're they're more um, subject specific so there's one on the providence of god um there's and these are thin little books that work really well for family devotions as well um we have one on biblical manhood and womanhood it's called god's design uh, we have God's names, which is really, really introducing kids to God's attributes, um, God's promises. So there's, uh, and th those work really well for uh, family devotions. And again, we we hear often, I, mean, I remember one group of elderly people were getting together and going through God's names <laughs> together. And it was a book designed for children, but they're they're learning a lot. And so. I love that. So if you're listening, we're going to make sure we get those resources in there, but also be encouraged and take heart. It doesn't have to be crazy hard. It just is about being faithful and really demonstrating the value of God's word to your family. And, you know, people listening today, you know, if, if they're listening at home and, you know, what are some other things that we can do to sort of lay that foundation of biblical understanding, biblical worldview for for our kids or even our grandkids. Yes, good question. I would, you know, I've said for years, um, you can have the best curriculum in the world and the best Bible resources in the world. I think Two Seventy Eight has some really, really, really good resources. You can have the best children's ministry program in your church. Um, you could be doing everything right as christian parents you could be having devotions every single night you could pray to bless your children and bottom line unless god moves on the hearts of our children nothing's going to happen right and so laying the foundations um what's the most important thing we can do it's got to be appealing to god appealing to omnipotence appealing to the one who 
has you know, the only one who can rule over the heart of our child. We can, we can share a Bible truth with a child, but I can't make that child love that truth, right? And so I, a couple of years ago, this just, it actually was at a time where we we're uh, actually a pretty critical time in True 78's history. So we're, we're funded in part through the sale of our resources. So that's the other thing I would just say, when you buy resources from True 78, you're helping us spread this mission, this vision, this message. Um, but we also have a significant portion that we have to fundraise for. And we were, we've gone from being 100% supported through the sale of our resources to needing supplemental support. And so we were coming to the end of the year, last quarter of the year, when, you know, the experts tell you this is when, um, when people, if they're going to give money, more money is given away in this quarter than any other time of year. And billions are given away. So be out there and get your message out. And that was kind of my first season in this role as executive director. And I just something in me just I, I don't want to go that way because we serve a God who cares about this mission. And so the focus I, I met with the staff, I said, let's, let's not put the focus on the funds that we need here. Let's put the focus on the mission. And if we put our prayers direct them toward the mission, then we trust God to provide, right? And so I wrote this little book that year. So instead of doing the big fundraising campaign, I wrote a little booklet called Big Bold Biblical Prayers for the Next Generation. And along with more than a story, if I could put one resource in the hands of every parent, it would be this one, okay? Because we tend to pray weak, wimpy prayers for our children. God bless my grandchildren. God bless my children. Help them to have a good day. And, you know, when I, I listen, you know, I have people tell me all the time, I, I pray for my grandchildren every day. And as a pastor, I just want to say, so what are you praying? And we really haven't many of us haven't been taught, how do I pray biblical prayers? Um, so a, a classic illustration would be, um, I have a daughter, my second daughter is um, chronically ill. And um, last two or three years, just about everything that she was working toward in life has had to be put on hold and she's back living with us and serious problems. And it's been very disabling to her. And this daddy's heart breaks my daughter. And I want more than anything for God to heal her. And every single night I pray for my daughter and ask that God would heal her. But that is a small prayer that I can't pray boldly, okay? I pray and ask God to heal her, but deep down, I know 
there's no guarantees that God's going to do that. I can't turn anywhere in my Bible and get a guarantee that my daughter on this side of heaven is going to be healed. And it's a small prayer. And so as much as my heart wants God to hear that prayer, I've also every single night prayed that her faith would not fail. And for 37 years, well, she's not sure exactly when she became a believer, but since she's been a believer, God has heard that prayer. Every single morning, she wakes up a believer, and a happy believer is a miracle, far more miraculous under these circumstances than that, um, than if she were to be healed, that you can have many of your dreams put on hold to cry out to God week, day after day, Lord, deliver me from this. And he, he doesn't, I mean, how many children under these circumstances would be shaking their fist at God, at least, if not worse under such. And so I can pray God deliver her, or I can pray God grant that my daughter's faith not fail and take that to the bank because I've got biblical authority behind it that says this is the will of God for everybody who is in Christ. Their faith will not fail. They will persevere to the end. And so as long as I have confidence that she is in Christ, and I believe that she is, I say, Lord, pray. And so um, so I have confidence. You know, we say, well, if it be your will, I know this is God's will for my daughter, that her faith not fail. I don't know if it's God's will that she be healed on the side of heaven, but I do know she'll be healed. So there's all kinds of biblical prayers that we can pray for our children and grandchildren, that we should pray for our grandchildren alongside have a good day and help, help them to do well on their math test. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray those prayers, but let's not pray those prayers and neglect the bigger ones that we can't. So if you were to pray for your grandchild, that their knee would bow and that their tongue would confess Jesus as Lord, you know, absolutely God's going to answer that prayer, right? And so this, this little, again, another little short book of 50 or 64 pages with the appendix, I think would just help us pray bigger prayers for our children. So of one thing that you could do, that would be it. Wow. That, um, man, that is really challenging to me uh, in terms of how I am praying and what I am praying for my children, for my wife, for, you know, those whom I love and I'm around. Um, and, and I appreciate that. And say, say the title of the book one more time. It's called Big Bold Biblical Prayers for the Next Generation. So people in our church, I just say, you know, they want to know how they can serve in children's ministry. I just, you know, we have Sunday school teachers say, would you, would you just give yourself this year to at least setting aside a season um, during the week where you just pray 
big prayers for the kids in your Sunday school, that's going to accomplish way more in their lives than anything that we're doing teaching. And we should still do our best when we're teaching, but that's, that's what's going to make the difference in our Sunday school rooms or in our kitchen tables. Mm, that is true because it's, I think you're right. We get caught up in all the things, all the things that we can do activities that we think we can do, but really it is, it is God at work in the hearts of people that we, I mean, we can't change people's hearts, but the Lord can. And so mm. praying big prayers uh, is, I agree with you, is, is the best thing that we can do. I was just going to, again, uh, mention one other, um, we have what we call our tier one resources. So if there was, if there were three resources that we would want to put in the hand of everybody, um, it would be um, the book, More Than a Story, uh, another little book called Helping Children Understand the Gospel. So that would be the second, um, because that, that book was born out of this burden for children growing up in Christian homes. And I'm assuming most of the people listening to this program are parents with children growing up in their homes. And I'm shocked how many children can spend years growing up in church, growing up in these homes and have such a shallow understanding of the gospel. You know, we, I've done as an elder several um, interviews of candidates for membership. And you bring a child, in fact, I use the illustration in the third book I'm gonna mention um, that is, um, where children will come in and you say, you ask them a question. So what's your understanding of the gospel? Jesus died for your sins and we need to accept him into our hearts. So kids, most kids get that, right? So if you ask the next question, why is sin a problem? They can't answer it. Many can't answer it. Many adults can't answer that question. How does Jesus' death solve that problem? You know, Jesus died for my sins. Well, okay, <laughs> why does his death solve that? So this this book was just born. I just if if parents do anything, make sure your children leave the home with a robust understanding of the gospel. This is a little another short little booklet with ten family devotionals that introduce your children to the gospel. And there's other resources that we have um, uh, store in storybook format, but a big part of our mission is to make sure kids get the gospel. And there's several resources in that theme, including a very robust family devotional uh, called, called Glorious God, Glorious Gospel. The third resource in our tier one resources would be the book Zealous. So if you're intrigued by what we're talking about here, uh, that book, Zealous, is my best effort 
to put words to the vision, the convictions, the passion that drives everything that we do. So this is when I talk about inspiring the church and the home, that book was designed to do that inspiring and a challenge. When you talk about trying to influence the way the church thinks about children's ministry, the way parents think about their job, that book is designed to do that. And um, you can go on our website, you can download it for free. Um, we would send it for, you know, we don't plan to make any money on this book. It's just, it's, it's our main way of getting our message out. So if somebody listening really wanted to dig into this a little bit different, it's, it's probably my longest book. It's about a hundred pages. So. Wow. I love that. I love you talk about that, that tier one more than a story, helping children understand the gospel and zealous will provide, it sounds like that would provide a great framework for families to go through with their children, with their grandchildren, so that to help them have a biblical understanding. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Oh, that is excellent. So if you're listening, we're going to make sure all of that information is in the show notes so you can check it out. Just as we wrap up here, uh, if our listeners want to know more about you, where to find these materials, where would you like them to go? Well, uh, we have a website called uh, www.true78.org. So that gets you into the uh, neighborhood. There's also for Spanish speaking um, folks, we, we have a, another website that you can that links from our English speaking website and I can't recite that one off the top of my head because it's in Spanish but uh, so those would be a starting place and just know we've got a great resource team you do the contact us thing if you got any questions there's people on our team that would be willing to talk or if there's it I'm especially eager to connect with church leaders, especially, and if don't hesitate to contact me personally, um, I'll talk to any, anybody about these, these things because we're so passionate about getting the message out. Well, we will make sure that information is in the show notes, truth78.org. Um, David, this has been, uh, and this has just been a, a privilege and a pleasure to chat. Thank you, not just for joining us today on the podcast, but for the work and the heart that you have for the Lord and really making his name known um, in, in families and in churches. That is, I, I can't thank you enough. And I'm so thankful for the work that you guys are doing. Well, and, and thank you for that. And also, Eric, thank you for the investment you're making. I know that these um, opportunities, these podcasts just don't happen automatically, that there's a lot of work that goes behind it. And I just really have appreciated connecting with you and just hearing your own heart and vision to really serve the home and the church. And it really does help us to get our message out too. So thank you so much for serving us so well. 
Wow. That was an amazing conversation with David Michael. Um, three things that just kind of wrap up before I hit those three things. Let me uh, let me say this episode is, is posting on November 15th of 2021. So if you're listening to this the day it airs, um, note that the book, More Than a Story, Volume 2, that David had mentioned, it actually is coming out tomorrow, November 16th. So if you're listening to this, that book is going to be available tomorrow. If you're you know, a couple days later or, or even months later, it is now available. So make sure you check it out. Go to truth78.org and get you a copy. They have it bundled with the first volume, which uh, it's just an incredible opportunity to be able to go through um, to go through that material, not only for yourself, but especially with your children, your grandchildren, uh, and those around you. So just wanted to make you aware. Okay, so first thing that jumped out from our conversation is how we often pray small prayers for our children, for our grandchildren. You know, as he said, it's okay to pray for tests and school and even our their health. But, you know, we don't know what God's will is for those things. However, we do know that they're for certain what God's will is on other things. So we want to pray, you know, big prayers that are bold, but also biblical in based on his word, you know, to be able to, you know, prayers like that, that they would stand firm in their faith and grow in their faith, that they would come and, and be able to walk with him uh, you know all of those kinds of things and so much more. So we need to we need to think about how we are praying, uh, just for our children and grandchildren and those around us. Second, we need a big vision of God uh, and be zealous for Christ. So we need to see the Lord uh, as His Word describes Him, right? And, and as we do so, as, as that changes us, as we live out our lives accordingly, that's going to help our children to have a big vision of the Lord. Uh, they're going to see Him high and lifted up. And, and not only our children, but grandchildren, it will influence uh, those around us in generations to come. And then teach our children uh, those things in our churches and around us that, that focus on glorifying God. If we do that, it will... Man, it will have long-term, uh, long-term benefits. And third, uh, let me encourage you to pick up, you know, some of the books he mentioned. Uh, first, big bold biblical prayers for the next generation. It's incredible. I've read it through twice. I, I'll go back through it again. Uh, second, the More Than a Story volumes one and two. Uh, I've got a copy. Of, I've got a copy of volume one. I've read through it. It is great. You know, a father's guide to blessing his children. I have used it, um, but but of all of those, if you want to get a a vision, a really an understanding, and, and just really challenge yourself, pick up a copy of Zealous. He talked about it. You can get a copy through their website. I think you can even get a, a PDF version for free. Man, it's phenomenal. I've read through it cover to cover twice. I've read sections more than that. I've given copies away of it, you know, to other people. Um, man, if you want to catch a vision of what God has called us to do, just read this and check out uh, truth78.org. Get the materials, be encouraged, and, and walk faithfully with the Lord. 
If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, Check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, and Entrusting the Faith. You can email us at info at entrustingthefaith.com. If you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, you can sign up to our email list and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember, legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.